Today's episode of Cinema Gush is brought to you by the Why Don't You Just Shoot Him trope. Honestly, I don't want to say any more. I mean, this movie practically invented this trope. It's it's one of the most famous scenes in movie history. And so if you you don't know what I'm referring to, go watch this movie again. And and remember, it was all made possible by dysentery. So next time you have diarrhea, why not try shooting him instead? Alright, 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 alright. <laughs> to the window, to the walls, till the sweat drips right on down my... Welcome to Cinema Gush, everybody. We are yes. so stoked for today's episode. Yeah, uh-huh. It is all about Brandon and his favorite film of all time. This, this has been it. such a fun season. I'm glad I got to do my favorite, which of course was Back to the Future. Thank you all for listening to that episode. And now Brandon gets to do his favorite, which is... Raiders of the Lost Ark. This oh, is, God! Look, I mean, I, I have favorites that come and go I, never do i decide a favorite is is a terrible movie but this is the movie i come back to always i know a couple months ah. ago i was talking about how like my new favorite movie at the time was um spider-man into the spider-verse I still yes, think it's a perfect yes. movie. this is the movie that no matter what i think of a perfect movie this is what i come back to my love of this movie never diminishes um yes Oh, man. I'm so excited to talk about this movie. Well, that, well, okay. shoot. well we're not going to hold you up, man. So, uh, Brendan, please gush away. Okay, I'm going to gush away. So, Raiders of the Lost Ark, 1981, directed by Steven Spielberg. Uh, famously, uh, team up with George Lucas. So, Lucas is rocking some Star Wars. Spielberg and him work some, some Indiana Jones. Um, right off the bat, I want to just point out. So your favorite movie of all time, Back to the Future, right? Yes. Yeah. There is a certain magic secret sauce if you are into pop culture movies. Now, I got no problem if you're a deep artsy movie guy. I love artsy movies too. But if you have any appreciation for pop culture movies, then your favorite movies came from this period of time of that secret sauce of the Mm -hmm. 1980s. The 1980s is where... The greatest films of all time came out. And I Ooh, dang. I think it has to do with the fact that the 80s had limitations mm-hmm. that people were using creativity to break through. Ooh. At a time when film was uh just reaching that point where it you could you could do anything you want to. It may not look perfect, but you could do whatever <laughs> you want to. Like now. Moving from this point into the future, if you give it enough time and money, you can make anything in the world look perfectly real. Uh, there's some CGI flubs here and there, but more often than not, if it doesn't look real, it's because they didn't give enough, throw enough money at it. Sure. The 1980s was the special time where if you had an idea, you could put it on celluloid, but you probably had to get creative to do it. Mm-hmm. And that creativity gives everything this magical glow that these limitations that forced them to make compromises in a way that uh, it's just special man it's just special well it almost harkens back to the idea of thinking outside of the box but what we're talking about if the boxes say limitations then having to think inside the box and know the box and every corner and every side and the dimensions of everything being forced in and confined into such a small into such a space allows for such outstanding discoveries and, and creativity right. bits and great scripts and dialogue and characters and all these great things. So you're, yeah, keep going, please. 
But you, you, you think blockbuster genre films. We got Star Wars, two of the three Star Wars, and mm-hmm. A New Hope is essentially an 80s movie. Uh, it kind of started the whole thing along with Jaws. That's You've great. got... Indiana Jones, you've got Back to the Future, you've got Blade Runner, you've got The Thing, you've got all kinds of these genre pictures where they're doing things that nobody's ever seen before, and they're doing them really well, even though they have such heavy limitations. So, yeah, it doesn't look photoreal, but it looks amazing. <laughs> oh, certainly. It I mean, it feels amazing. Yeah, when you talk to film, I don't want to say snobs or nerds here, but what I often get... For me personally, it's like, this is the greatest adventure film that exists. If you talk to other film nerds, they'll say it's either Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn, or it's going to be Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Any adventure movie that has come, um, like, I mean, any adventure movie that you see today, and we'll get to Uncharted later, trust me, we will, but anything that you see that involves uh, buried treasure in a way, or going after a hidden prize, or like a temple, or like booby traps, and all those elements coming together. You have to look at it through the lens of Indiana Jones because right. it did such an amazing job of solidifying what that structure looks like. I find it fascinating you're saying that it's solidified because we can't talk about Indiana Jones without talking about the fact that even in 1981, this was a retro throwback movie. Mm-hmm. This was a movie trying to capture that feeling of 20s and 30s serials. And it did it so well that everyone forgot 20s and 30s serials. (laughs) It's like it was the final word and the first word on adventure films. It was imitating all these things that came before it, and it did it, it like, narrowed down and got the purest essence of what made those adventure films fun and just let them soak out onto the screen. It is... Such a good movie. Every time I watch this movie, I I get giddy. I could watch <laughs> this. Uh, it's 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 a perfect movie. It's my favorite movie. So let's let's talk about this movie. This movie is about a dude, right, who is a professor of archaeology that loves to raid tombs. Right. I mm-hmm. mean, this guy. Let's. It, it, one of the things I recommend everybody do with their favorite movies is turn the subtitles on on occasion because you catch things you didn't notice. Yeah. I didn't notice until this viewing how much the movie paints Indiana Jones as a really crappy archaeologist. Not that really? he's not good at his job. He is very good at his job. But even, uh, what's his name? The, the, the museum curator calls him out on not following any of archaeological rules. Like, he's going to places <laughs> and stealing crap. The movie... <laughs> That's been a criticism. Archaeologists in the real world say Indiana Jones spoiled archaeology. Everybody thinks it's wild adventures. But the thing is, the movie knows that too. The movie knows that Indy is going to countries, finding rare stuff, and bringing it back to his museum. It belongs in a museum. Yes. It is an extremely self-aware movie. I mean, at at one point when they pick up Marion, we're going to talk about Marion a lot. Marion screams at one of the people in Egypt when they pick him up. You can't do this to me. I'm an American. As they are currently trying to steal Egyptian artifacts to take back to America. I love it. This is not... Almost every criticism this movie gets is like, yeah, but that's not a really good thing. And at the end of the day, the movie knows that's not a really good thing. It's not about being a history picture. It's This is adventure. And Indiana Jones is not all that great a person. And the movie knows that. And that's why it's so 
juicy because it's <laughs> we have to. This man is raiding tombs for artifacts. We know from his interaction with Marion that he was in a relationship with her when she was underage. Granted, nineteen mm-hmm. twenties. Age of consent is a little nebulous, but that's still not a good thing, no matter what period you're coming from. We know that he's flighty, that he doesn't have any real commitments to anybody else. He's doing this for the fun of it. He can't sit down and teach because he gets bored with it. I mean, he's misspelling words in the chalkboard. And (laughs) we shouldn't ascribe to be Indiana Jones, even though we all want to be. If that you makes know, sense. No, it does. One of the questions I was going to ask you is why do you think Indiana Jones has this lasting power as a character that's just like transcended time? And I think you just gave me all the reasons right there. So that works. I do. I think he has a devil may care attitude that is so unbelievably seductive. Mm-hmm. Part of that is because I'm not entirely sure Harrison Ford is acting. I think this may just be Harrison Ford. Yeah, I think that's how people feel about modern-day Han Solo as well. Like, oh, just about anything he's been in, he's just kind of playing himself. He Because he, as a person, is so legendary, as it were. You know, him being found on the lot because he was a carpenter and just had that look, and he was a stand-in, and they're like, well, this guy's perfect. Like, it's that, that almost Looney Tunes Hollywood story that the man himself right. has, and he lives Classical it Classical Hollywood movie star. And one of the reasons why he has that magnetism, that devil-may-care attitude... Is because, man, this guy doesn't care. Harrison yep. Ford doesn't care. And I think he, he's often said Indiana Jones is one of his favorite characters to play. And I think the reason is because he gets to just have fun. Yeah. And it shows on the screen. It's just so much fun. Mm-hmm. This is This is Steven Spielberg, a master at his craft. In my mind, the greatest director... Ever. Nice. Who is playing with toys. The greatest director ever got his action figures out and decided to put a camera in front of it. This is a guy playing. He's channeling his 10-year-old boy who wants to go on adventures, get the girl, and rob some tombs. And, and you can see the joy in his filmmaking. This movie, it's, it's a, it's a, treat of a movie you i feel like you're seeing such a honest expression of joy coming out of just even the cinematography mm-hmm. it's it's great have you ever seen that uh steven soderbergh's cut of this movie no do you know what i'm talking about i think you've mentioned it before on a show okay. but i have yet to seek it out tell me more it's it's steven soderbergh took raiders of the lost ark all he did was drop all the color out. He desaturated the film. He didn't tweak anything, just straight up desaturated it, and then took the score out. T- I mean, took all, all the audio out and, and taped on top of it Trent Reznor's uh, social network score. What? The whole movie. So he basically made it a black and white film with a Trent Reznor score. And the movie freaking works. This movie works as a silent film. You do not need the dialogue to know exactly what is going on in every scene. It's amazing. Wow. You can see the emotions. Little things, like like the, when they have the conversation early on. Or let's just start at the beginning. He's running through the jungle. You know they're looking for something. You know it's scary. You know the character you're supposed to care about because you haven't seen his face yet. 
You know what's happening with the gun. You can hear the click of the gun even if you can't hear the click of the gun. Yep. He turns around, he cracks that whip. He's with the other guy. You know what they're you don't know what exactly they're going for in that temple, but you know what they're looking for and you can tell when they're afraid of traps, you can tell what they're dodging. Then you get back to America. You know he's teaching. It doesn't matter. The the woman closed her eyes, got love you on it. You know that the, all the women are taking this class because he's so dreamy. I mean, I would take the class as a heterosexual male because he's so dreamy. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? It's you know what's happening. Then the the FBI people or the CIA people, whoever they are, they pull open the book and he's drawing pictures to show what they're looking for with a staff of raw. You know, they're showing pictures of the ark. Like I know they're looking for the ark. You should anybody, and I'm going to put in the show notes, of course. Watch that Trent Reznor cut. I've watched the whole thing. And imagine you didn't know the plot of this movie. You will know the characters. You'll know their personality. And you'll know what they're doing, even without an ounce of dialogue. Brilliant. It's brilliant. And to say nothing of the cinematography. Who is the cinematographer on this? I should have had this prepared because, good lord, he's good. (laughs) Well, while you're looking that up, I'll tell you what. There's... From the writing perspective, there's something called the Raider Story Conference, and we will also put this in the show notes because it's a 90 to 120-page document, depending on who typed it up, of George Lucas, Lawrence Kasdan, and Steven Spielberg in a room just talking about the movie, just brainstorming and talking about the process and what they're looking to do with the movie. Um, It's something I've often thought about would be a great radio drama, like just to do it and have three impressionists and just... Talk to the movie, but we're, so Lawrence Kasdan, whose first movie credit, by the way, was Empire Strikes Back, followed by Raiders of the Lost Ark. We're talking Body Heat, Return of the Jedi, The Big Chill, great, um, The Bodyguard, Wyatt Earp. Uh, he wrote Shadows of the Empire, the N64 video game. Um, <laughs> Dreamcatcher, which I know wasn't a lot of people's favorite movie, but I certainly remember the hell out of it. Uh, he did The Force Awakens. Um, I know he helped out on solo Star Wars movie, uh, Star Wars story. And I'm just saying, this is one of the greatest screenwriters, I think, of all time. One of the greatest, oh, certainly yeah. top five, if not number, you know, a higher number. Um, so that conversation between those three gentlemen is just like film school for somebody who can't afford to go to film school. Delicious. Okay. The cinematographer, Douglas Slocum. Now, Ooh. his last film that he did was Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So this is at the end of his career. He started wow. being a cinematographer in 1940. Whoa. And so the reason Soderbergh desaturated this movie is because he wanted to show that this film was filmed like a black and white silent film. And he didn't tweak any of the values, and it's a stunning black... It looks like Citizen Kane. The Whoa. shadows, the lights, the brights. I mean, there's moments in this movie, twice... Twice there's a moment of Indiana Jones's eye framed in shadow through a lattice work of a door. Once when he's leaving Marion's bar and he closes that door and the shadow casts on his eye. You just yeah. see his eye and he looks forward, he looks back, he looks like he's about to say something and he closes the door. And then again later on, when they're getting the the, the headpiece of Raw translated, he's looking through this lattice work and these shadows are just cast in these... It's chiroscura, it's like classical art on celluloid. It's so beautiful to look at. Yeah. I don't think you appreciate how beautiful to look at it, probably because we've all seen this movie 80 times. And <laughs> it's been imitated thousands of times. And, yeah. But it's it's stunning to look at. It's stunning. It's a gorgeous movie. It truly is. Beautiful, beautiful widescreen. Yeah. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Fun yeah. fact, I have kayaked down the river... In the opening sequence that they went through, it's it's in Kauai, really? and I have gone on a kayak 
uh, adventure, as it were. And while going down the river, the guy's like, this is where they did Jurassic Park. This is where they later did um, the, what's the most recent Jurassic Park? Not Fallen Kingdom, but the one before it. Lost. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever that one was, it wasn't great. But either way, uh, and then also Indiana Jones. That sequence was on that river. So seeing that mountain and knowing exactly where they were, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm here. It's, Loved it. It's such a cool place. I now have a place I need to go. Yes, you do. Um, so the storytelling of this movie. Like I said, you can watch this movie and get the story without anybody explaining it to you. The exposition all fits in the moments it is, that they're in, but you don't need them. And in fact, the movie itself has storytelling in the frame that it does not call attention to. There are little bits and pieces. My, one of my favorite examples, when he's getting the Staff of Ra to find out where the Well of Souls is. So he puts the headpiece on. I'm going to assume you've all seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's if you haven't seen that. Raiders of the Lost Ark... Shame it's on time you. to rewatch it. It's time to rewatch it if you haven't seen it in a long time further. Shame on you is not correct. I <laughs> I envy you because you're in for a treat. So, yes. okay. So he puts the staff of Ra. So we know that they've got the wrong height, right? Speaking of which, what's it? Totsi, the, the German with the burn on his hand. What a great Chekhov's gun. Such a, it's like, I love it. But <laughs> we know he's got the wrong height. But you watch Indy. He gets down in that hole, okay? And... Uh, He's examining this miniature set. But the first thing he does is he, there's this grid of holes to put the staff in. And he looks for the right hole. But watch his face, because he finds a hole with no sand in it. And he smiles. Because not only have the Germans got the wrong height, they put it in the wrong hole. And the movie <laughs> never calls attention to that, other than just paying attention that the Germans put it in that hole. And that's the wrong hole. And he smiles, and then he brushes away and blows away the sand for the right hole. And he sticks the staff in. Then the camera pans down and there's graffiti on one of the miniatures in German that says, do not disturb. And you know, that's where they're digging for the Will of Souls. That's the wrong place. And then the beam shoots forward and you watch that exuberance on Indy's face where he realizes he's the first person to ever see this happen. And it... Ah... Ah. Yeah, gives you good feelings all over. Good feelings, but but the movie's filled with stuff like that, where there's these things happening, and, and so much thought and love and craft has gone into the sets and the storytelling that it doesn't even need to tell you. By the way, did you notice the Germans put this in the wrong hole? We know the Germans <laughs> got it wrong. And then, like, the, the tape measure stretched across where the Germans were measuring pace. It's just, yeah. Well, I'm I'm gonna pull the reins back on just a yeah. moment, just to just to ask you: Do you remember the first time you saw this flick? I do, I do. I don't remember the specifics, but it's the same circumstances I saw the Star Wars movies for the first time. My mother was a labor and delivery nurse, and she worked nights, but every now and then she'd have to work days. And we were old enough, we didn't need a babysitter, but she felt bad when my dad was working and it was the summertime, so we were off of school and she was going to work all day. So the very rare times that happened, uh, one time was 1998 when the special (laughs) edition of Star Wars came out and she rented us all three Star Wars movies for us to watch that day. I don't remember if Indy was before or after that, but it was the same thing. It was like, you guys have not seen these movies... Indy was specifically me. I think I may have been the only one watching it. 
But I remember in my my parents' old house with all the curtains drawn on the hot dog days of summer without any AC, yes. sitting on my living room floor with the old CRT and in the armoire that's now in my bedroom, watching <laughs> uh, Indiana Jones on VHS and being utterly transported. Man, I also I remember being horrified when the second movie came on because that movie is freaking scary, especially if you're a kid. Yes, yes, it absolutely is. My goodness. Oh. Yeah, my mom forgot how bad that one is. I know my sister watched these with me. I remember because me and me and her freaked out at the same time watching Temple of Doom. It was me and my sister Alex sitting on the floor watching these and eating fast food and having the best time. I have to make a mental note now to do an episode of movies that your parents showed you that they didn't remember being as bad as it actually was because I have like four of those stories. <laughs> well, the problem was my parents weren't there, right? So they weren't there right, to go, yeah. oh, I forgot about this. It was just us going, <laughs> oh my. Yeah. But not being able to look away. I mean, we had to keep going. Yeah. When did you no, first see this? Gosh. So uh, it would have been pretty recent from moving to Arizona and I was at my Uncle Billy's house, and I believe they had the three... Like they had the original Star Wars trilogy on VHS, which is where I saw that for the first time. I believe he also had the trilogy for Indiana Jones, which actually a box set. Now that now I have upstairs the VHSs, which is still a very good watch. Um, and what I, what I vividly remember being eight... I guess this was before I moved to Phoenix. It's not important. But the the fact is, I remember specifically like glossing over those exposition scenes, like the sequence of them talking about it. Like I was I just wanted to get back to the action so much. And I remember the first time that he, you know, he goes against that swordsman, the guy shoots him instead, and the monkey the bad dates. Like I recall that very well. Um and then I think I think we actually did have to close our eyes and turn away for the face melting sequence. I <laughs> think of beauty still to this day gorgeous yeah yeah so oh yeah i wish i could watch these for the first time again uh okay let, let let's 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 go back let's because we need to yes we yes, need to please, stop please. and talk about marion because goodness gracious marion is one of my favorite characters ever and he takes all the glory because he's the main character but man watching this movie last night with my wife i kept looking at her and going Marion is such an amazing character. <laughs> yes, what a great way. Not just to introduce, I would say, this isn't just a great way to introduce a lady character. It's just a great way to introduce a character with an amazing drinking contest against yeah. a guy who goes by the name of Red and just absolutely clobbers him. And there's a, this is such a Not just clobbers podcast. him, she's hustling him. Yeah, absolutely. Like the whole, you know, oh, she's done. She's like, no, no. No, and then puts the glass down, and they all flip out. For anyone who is a music video junkie like I am, there's a, the Hey Baby music video for, by no doubt, they um, pay homage to this scene, and I just thought of that now. Um, but what a great way to introduce such a cool character was the fact that she drank all those shots and was just like, eh, all right. Right, so along. she looks like she's about to pass out, and then she wins, and she stands <laughs> up and is like, fine, give me my money. <laughs> Oh my gosh. It, it tells a- you so much in so little, which you know is you've got a, a woman who is tough as nails, who is a good actor, who wants what she wants, and a little bit vain. She wants money because she's going to get her money. Mm-hmm. Then Indy shows up and she's pissed at him. And <laughs> he, this is the first time in the movie where you see Indy not in charge, not in control. It's like, interesting. She 
Indy has been dominating this movie, and Marion shows up, and she puts him in his place. You knew what you did was wrong. You need to say sorry. He's like, I can only say sorry so many times. We'll say it again. <laughs> it, it's it, she doesn't give him an inch, and she oh, she does such a good job. And that whole sequence, every part of that sequence, her having the medallion around her neck, her hanging it on this thing, the fact that that her dad died, and what does she do? She doesn't go home. She just takes over the bar in the local town where her dad died. I mean, Mm -hmm. how did she end up in Nepal? How did she end up running this bar? And you see this character and you realize, I don't know how, but it's completely fitting with her character that she did. Right? Yes, indeed. I bet you that town was eager to have her take the bar. Whatever happened. (laughs) Yes, she's such a delightful character and just somebody who, you know, I don't care too much for Crystal Skull, but I'm so glad that she came back (coughs) for that. Just a wonderful, wonderful character. And truly, I think one of the Better, stronger female characters. Like, if you need inspiration, I would point to her. Um, before this episode, I sent Brenton a blog post on how she wasn't that strong of a female character. Brenton was like, Bull, nah. that's a bunch of garbage! So <laughs> That's the same person who said Princess Leia wasn't a very strong character. I dismiss it! Yes, and you are right, too! Um, yeah. I. She is such a great character. The entire movie. I mean, so that drinking scene, again, is another Chekhov's gun. This whole movie is filled with setups and payoffs. So later on, when she's sitting down with Belloc, you know she's going to destroy him. And it's mm-hmm. so great. And that's one of the things about this movie is it is relentless. It goes and goes and goes. The action gets harder and harder and harder and higher stakes and higher stakes and higher stakes. Yes. Movies today that try to imitate that almost always fail. It gets exhausting. Hmm. This movie is not exhausting. And I think the reason is, is you love these characters. And it has some slow moments, but they're very short. And it gives you just enough to make sure that you still are in love with these characters. Yeah, absolutely. Even the sequence, like rewatching it today, even those sequences that as a kid, I remember being slower and wanting them to get over with. There's so much richness in them. So when him and Mary, and then they get to, um, I forgot the country just now, uh, where Gimli is. (laughs) Bring back the helicopter. Um, they, you see them interacting, interacting with the kids and, and she's wearing a more relaxed outfit and he's relaxing. And there's like a monkey monkey. hanging about like, yeah, you get, you get the funness of it like that. It helps those crazy, um, I would even go as far as to say brutal fight sequences. It gives them a nice breath of fresh air, like a chance for you to collect your thoughts and then get ready for the next big thing. It's, it's great. And again, they're not long. They're pretty short scenes and they're not all exposition dumps. I mean, there's a fair amount of exposition, but a lot of times there's just moments of people sitting around and sure they're talking. I guess they're, they are talking exposition, but they're talking at a friend to friend. Like you wish you were there drinking with them. Um, do I ever? Every time that guy broke out into song, I just wish I knew the words oh, that he was singing so I, I could know. sing along to. <laughs> oh, when Marion kisses him. That's one of my favorite scenes in movies. Yeah, This is man. for your wife. This is for your kids. This is for you. In his face. Like, oh, that's so... I love it. Oh, God. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, this movie is relentless. In a lot of ways. I, I watched uh, Siskel and Ebert's review after finishing, and they talk about how it just oh, keeps what a good idea. higher and higher and higher and higher. But here's the That's thing. That's got to go in the show notes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll throw it in there. 
The movie keeps ramping up the action until one specific point, and that's the ending, which has no action at all. Yes, that's something that you just don't see anymore. Yeah. And I love this. And this, to me, is the response to this asinine argument that Indy doesn't matter in this movie. Oh, gosh. Okay, so real quick, you got to give the context to the folks because I don't think everybody knows what you're talking about. So, so, so yeah, it's dive fashionable in. these days to talk about how Indiana Jones does not make a difference in this movie. If he did nothing, eventually the, the Germans would have found the Ark. Eventually the Germans would have taken it to the island outside of Greece. Eventually they'd have opened it, and eventually they would have all died. I if believe Indiana, this came from... Big Bang Theory, correct? It was around before Big Bang Theory, but Big okay, okay. Bang Theory popularized it. Gotcha. All right. Right. Big Bang Theory, scourge on humanity that it is, popularized <laughs> this notion that Indiana Jones did not need to be present for any of this to happen. And you know what? They're right. And the fact that that bothers them is why they're wrong. You're uh... right. The plot would have played out. Indy is not preventing World War II here. That's not the point. And I think you can see this in the fact that we are building these action moments. And there's an article. It's a wonderful article we've talked about. I'm going to post it. And it, it's basically rebutting this idea. But this is a movie of Indiana Jones doing relentlessly, uh, the, the seeking relentlessly this arc where every single thing in the cosmos is saying, don't do this. <laughs> Stop. Yeah. At the very beginning of the movie... He's dismissive of the Ark as anything other than a really great thing to put in their museum. He yeah. doesn't He doesn't care what it is. It's just, it's the artifact, and he needs it. He wants the prestige of it, and he wants the chase. He wants the journey. He, he's itching to get out of the classroom and go find something. And this is the thing. This is the, this is the biggest thing ever. Uh, his, his, I wish I knew his name, because he's great. The, the, the other guy, the professor that gives him the money, right, says, right. Indy... This is big. Do you not understand this is big, right? Even even if there's no supernatural element to this movie, you have to understand if you're going for the Ark of the Covenant, just the significance to human history, this is not small. All of the Western world is built on the foundation of the faith that the Ark resides in the middle of. This is a big deal, and you better take it seriously. And then over and over and over again, the universe is basically saying, Indy, stop. This is not going to go well. This should not be disturbed. Uh, Darby erased what Gimli even says, like, this is, uh, reminds him, this might not, be, this probably shouldn't be disturbed. You should probably ideally prevent the Germans from getting it and then leave it alone yourself. Mm-hmm. But he keeps going and he keeps going and he keeps going. And the action keeps building and building and building. And then he's got an RPG on the side of a canyon <laughs> aimed at the arc. And you're like, shit's going to get real here. And then it doesn't. He can't blow it up. Why? Not quite sure. He's, he's manipulated by Belloc in some way. But it's like he can't blow it up. He's tied up. And then what happens? The Germans open this up and Indy realizes... This is not just a thing for me to steal and take back to a museum. This is something more important. I've ignored it this entire movie. Marion, close your eyes. Yes. We don't know where that comes from. 
It doesn't matter where it comes from. He's just recognizing finally, at long last, I need to take this seriously. And he does. And that's the arc of the movie. This movie is not about him stopping World War II. We know World War II is going to happen. It happens in the third movie. <laughs> it's about yeah. him going on a journey, learning something about himself. And now, I will grant the Temple of Doom, which most people don't realize is a prequel, does kind of wreck that story arc. But they didn't know that when they wrote this movie, so we're going to ignore that. Yeah. He didn't. He's learning something. And it's important to go on the journey with the character to learn that thing with the character. Right. And, and, you know, just to go back to the piece, and again, folks, please do read this piece. But if you don't read this piece, which is also likely, um, listen to this paragraph. Yeah, Indiana please. Jones doesn't matter is the personification of the idea films and television shows are something to be solved instead of felt. That stories are static objects made of ones and zeros, and to remove the flawed piece of data sends the whole thing crumbling. Then parentheses, thus making you the Internet's smartest boy that day. And parenthetical, but movies are, in Roger Ebert's words, machines that generate empathy. Whether it's a quiet character study or a globe-trotting adventure, the joy comes from living another life for a few hours. That is the result of character, not plot. And Indiana Jones is the type of character whose arc is supposed to have holes. Yes. And if that doesn't say at all, I don't know what does because I and we talked about this right before we started recording. Is I just hate the notion of the whole everything wrong with things. And, and even when I rip movies, it's not my favorite thing in the world to do because I always want to go and have a great time. And I always try to look for the positive thing and the fun thing. Podcast. Right. That's, that's the, yeah, that's exactly it. That's the whole point of why we do this is like, we want that positivity out there and, and nobody likes to rip something and drag it through the mud, even <coughs> except when I guess it's fashionable, then everybody wants to do it, which is not fun either in my opinion. But at the same time, like, I hate those like constantly people who just I don't hate this, but it just it's it's annoying to constantly see people who are just like, well, what about this? What about this? You ever think about this? Way that, 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 takes, you know, I just right? I, I can't. I know you're trying to sell clicks. I know you don't want to work a nine to five and you want to be a journalist for Kotaku or whatever crap hole online web magazine you're working for. But but it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Just put out stupid thoughts into the world like this. Just enjoy the damn movie to get. To get a little too introspective, I think it's a problem in society in general is this notion that you're better if you're smarter than that thing that everybody likes, be it a movie, a book, or the entire government system that you're working in. This notion that you tear down other things to make yourself bigger really is just making everything worse. Whereas yeah, if this... Go ahead, I'm sorry. It's just I was going to say, no, it's, it's just it's one thing to go into into a movie, so let's... Let's take Dune as a very recent example. It's one thing to go into Dune and and walk and walk away and be like, I don't get it. This wasn't explained very well. Sure. Uh, it was very slow. It's one thing to feel that way than to actively go into something trying to find reasons to hate it. Like, I'll give you an example, and I'll come back to it later towards the end of the show, more than likely, but I'm finishing up research for the script that I'm working on, and one of the movies I, I had on my list was Mortal Kombat. Mm. I've been playing Mortal Kombat since the 90s. Um, I have seen every fatality ever done. That was a very long YouTube marathon when I did that. And I could pick that movie apart for so many different reasons. I could tell you why it doesn't work. Primarily the fact that the movie is about a Mortal Kombat tournament and you never see one second of an actual tournament. Mm -mm. And the whole, and you get the whole idea that the movie was written as a trilogy thing, whatever. The point is as a fanboy, I just had a great time and I just had fun. And could I rant about the things that I hated and then make me like it less? Sure, but 
But what does that do, not just for you and your soul, but what does that do for the world? What's the genuine point? That's all I got. The thing is, I've said it. I love going to movies that I don't think are very good. I mean, Steven Spielberg himself has said he sees most movies that come into theaters and he enjoys most of them. Again, I believe this is the greatest director working today and he's going to trash and enjoying it. (laughs) And and not in a cynical way. Yeah. It's, like I said, this is a man playing with toys and who recognizes that it is good for our soul to play with toys. It is. It is even the, I think even the movies that he has done that he doesn't like, particularly like 1943 and Hook, like he's, I think he still sees the value of them and what it's done for other people. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. This actually, so, so you go to a movie, try to be prepared to enjoy it. You know, even if it's not very good, I, I got I, I said the other day, I didn't enjoy the Eternals very much. That's not fair. I enjoyed the hell out of the Eternals. I didn't think it was that good, but I really enjoyed thinking it was not that good. And not from a cynical way, because it was fun to be at the movies and to watch yeah. people fly and shoot lasers out of their eyes. Yeah, now, I, won't get, I, won't, I will say this. I won't get ultra-religious real quick, but G.K. Chesterton has a saying where he says... I say grace before the concert and the opera and grace before the play and pantomime and grace before I open a book and grace before sketching, painting, swimming, fencing, boxing, walking, playing, dancing, and grace before I dip the pen in the ink. I would invite you all to like have a grace. And if you're not a, you know, a religious person, have a thankfulness that you're even in, in, right. a, in a place and a time and a world where you, like, that was our whole gush about doing enjoy arts. Yeah. Like the, our whole gush about doing was like, we're just grateful to be around for a time where I can go to the movie and be utterly blown the hell away. Amen. You know, thought the same thing when I watched Dune for the fifth time last night with my kids <laughs> at dinner. Five. Oh, I got three to go. I got to catch you. Oh, so good. All right. So that, but we here's the thing. It. Movies don't need to be perfect. Every movie is flawed. In fact, every movie that is made, the directors typically know the holes in their plots. Yeah. Masterful directors make sure the plot moves forward anyways without distracting you with those holes. Because at the end right. of the day, the plot serves the characters and not the other way around. For the most I part. There are th- plot-driven pieces, but most of the fun movies, characters are the, the heart. Yeah, I mean it's it's almost like a uh, like a love triangle between between like plot and character and a third thing that I can't think of right now. Just the idea that the, all of that together is what makes it in a movie amazing. I think this one could get ragged on mostly because it is so damn good. Like we so damn good. average movies, we don't take the time to do all these nitpickies and uh, you know write in film magazines and say you know what what was great and what wasn't about it. But like these great movies, they really do stand the test of time for what they do, and they are mimicked and copied to death over time. And you will find the flaws in them because you keep watching them. Exactly. <laughs> so you know, there, there's, and I'll, yeah, I'll bring we, this up real quick since you mentioned that yeah. flaws thing. Um, this was the first time that I saw the sequence with the uh, submarine. And I didn't think, oh, uh, how did he survive the submarine? Doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's not that it, it's not only that it didn't matter, but that they didn't dive was one part of it. And then two, when I looked it up, um, in the comic books, they actually tell you how he survived: is that the periscope was above water the whole time, and he used his whip to latch himself to the periscope. I, I, yeah, and I think they actually filmed that as a deleted scene. Yeah, so that's but it wasn't it, it's important. Perfectly reasonable, and it's perfectly reasonable, and it, yeah, and it, it more like harkens back to the pulp stuff that this movie drew, drew so much uh, inspiration from. But it didn't matter. 
There's we've mentioned this before in the podcast. There was a um, um, Alfred Hitchcock principle called the the, uh, the the ice box principle, and he argued that you go to the movies and say you go see a movie and you really enjoy it, and then you go home that evening and you're you're you got the munchies and you go to your ice box and you open the ice box and you stop and think, wait, that thing in that movie didn't make sense. <laughs> he says. Who cares? You enjoyed it while you were watching it. The problem is while you're watching it and you think, wait, that thing doesn't make sense. If it takes you till you're standing in front of your icebox looking for some frozen snack to put in the microwave, then they did their job. If you're distracted yes. while you're watching it, then you've got a problem. Truth. So, okay. Let's talk about errors in movies. This, for once... This segue to The Last Jedi actually is because I need to talk about The Last Jedi. <laughs> Good. I'm so there's glad a, that you need to. There's a moment in The Last Jedi in the throne room scene. And I've watched people rag on this throne room scene. I talk love about it. How it's bad choreography and bad this and bad that. And forget the fact that it's great character-driven storytelling in an action scene. <laughs> there's a moment where one of the guards, he's, got, he's fighting Rey and he's got two daggers in his hand. And Ray's got him grappled, and one of the daggers in his other hand is just edited out of the movie because they realize that he could just stab her after they were editing the movie. Here's the thing: oh. I've I never noticed that the many times I watched the movie until somebody pointed it out to me. I never noticed it because we've got a director who knows where your eyes are. He knows what you're looking at, and it's fine. Because it's about the story. And yes, that is an error. That is a flaw. That is a plot hole. But it, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. The point is you've got two characters who are battling for their lives and for each other. So there's a moment in this movie where Marion, where when in Egypt, um, Marion's got the monkey and, and the, the, the Germans send all the guys after him. And... She ducks and Indy punches a guy, right? And the frame is focused on Indy. And he's punching and he's punching and he's hitting. If you pay attention to the background, Marion has this, like, two-pound metal tin box. And she's going, kathonk, 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 <laughs> on one of the guys what? behind him. Like, he's, she's not doing anything. I only noticed it this time because I was specifically in this scene looking where I didn't think Spielberg wanted me to look. Never noticed it. <laughs> it makes me love it all the more. Hey, I I made you queue up a, a scene at the end of that car chase that after they yes. get the art. I want you to play that scene. It's like eight seconds long, and just describe what's happening. Okay, uh, I will. I will say right before I, I, I uh, hit play on this. Um, I also had that exact same experience today because while Indy was fighting the guys. After he threw Marion into the uh, wagon with the hay, she's just kind of sitting there, fussing, yeah, not helping, right. not doing anything. <laughs> and it's I was fine. just like, uh, yeah, and it's to and it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly acceptable and perfectly fine. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So I got this sequence here. Um, you had sent it to me, and you just said, uh, you know, don't watch this yet. Just watch it live uh, yeah, just, while we it, are actively the, recording. It's so it's the end of the car chase. Just describe the scene. Watch the sure. scene. Okay, here we go. So I am hitting load on this YouTube page, and I'm getting a six-second ad for Amazon. Good. Amazon. They sell books. 
Okay, now it's on to Lenovo Yoga. Mm. You know, this goes into a much deeper conversation about ads for YouTube. And I have this personal policy where if I'm going to watch, like sometimes the algorithm recommends like a, I don't know, like a three second to 12 second video. If it starts with a 15 second ad that I don't, that I can't skip, I don't watch the video. I just close yeah, it because that's how it. petty I have become. Now, now I will Reynolds. post this scene in the show notes and I encourage you to all pause and watch it right now. Yeah. Okay, here we go. So this truck is driving around the corner and it's turning and it's going into kind of a tunnel and these guys are racing in front of it and they're standing in front of it with the canopy and the wagon and then here comes another car that's rounding the corner in the roundabout it's the bad guys. and the car has no idea where the truck is they're just kind of like driving around the circle and the guy oh my gosh <laughs> I, I know okay i know what we're doing here you know what we're doing here the guys are being sold watermelons and uh, he's looking around he doesn't see indy so the car just kind of drives away okay have you and ever they noticed, all rejoice have you ever noticed this before this moment no. Okay. Okay. I, Tell the yeah. same scene again, but focus only on Tot, the German who has his burned hands. <laughs> Tell me so what happens very, in this scene with Tot. There's very clearly when the truck drives into this tunnel and the guys cover it up. They're the other standing, and then the canopy comes overhead, and the truck is driving, and the main dude stands up. But if you look at Tot, it is very clearly that he is not there, and there's just like a coat and a hat, as if an eight-year-old is suddenly trying to sneak into a movie theater. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Somebody had pointed it out to me, but no, okay. I never noticed it before. You've never noticed it on your own? Here's the uh, No, 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 not at all. I never noticed it on my own until somebody pointed it out to me. And maybe I pointed it out to you. What do I know? We've done this a lot. <laughs> sure. Here's the, here's the deal. That's not a mistake. I don't know why they did it, but they knew that the actor was not sitting in that seat. And they put a coat and a hat on that seat with no actor in the coat and hat. And they filmed it. Knowing that in that shot, the actor was not present. Now, I bet you they thought that it was going to be like out of shot a little bit, but they had to know when they reviewed the footage that you can't see Tot here. That, right. that he's just disappeared and <laughs> melted. He, I mean, it, it left behind raptured him. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, and there are just the leftovers there. Yeah, I mean... Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I'm sure there's a, a much better sure, explanation a as to why he wasn't there. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I've looked the, I've scoured the internet trying to find out why that is the way it is. I can't find it, but it doesn't matter because the master filmmaker that Spielberg is knows that your eyes are not going to that coat. Yes. And that's the thing. Movies have errors. Daggers and Star Wars get edited out. People get raptured in the middle of an indie car chase. It happens, and it's okay. And these movies are still <laughs> amazing. Maybe even as perfect as we could ask them to be. Well, not even a mistake, but a fun. Did you know? Was the sequence you know? where Indy where Indy ends up shooting the uh, the sword guy, and it's because he had what? Not dysentery. No, he had like diarrhea that day or something. He just yeah, he had to go, to go to take it down. So he just shot the dude, and it, and it stuck, and it was perfect. And it was wonderful. I have watched that scene more than any other scene, and the reason why. Is because, one second, I'll be right back. A year and a half ago, I found a vintage Indiana Jones model kit. Oh, and, goodness. And I made it, and I wanted to make sure I got his chest hair just right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's clearly modeled after that sequence. He's got all the stuff there. So, yes. yes, I did study Harrison Ford's chest hair to make sure it was just right. I also worked really hard to model the, uh, the floor tiles after the uh, the initial sequence so nice I, yeah, yeah, I made a well done uh, no this movie 
man, this movie. That 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 right there is my favorite blooper of all time. I don't even know if you can call it a blooper because they clearly knew what they were doing. I also really like in that chart car chase, one of the scenes where they're driving forward and Indy's hanging off the front of the truck. You can clearly see the chair that he's sitting on that's that's welded to the front of the truck. Things like that make the movie more magical because you're seeing the craftsman's handiwork in the craft. And I, I yeah. I you know, it. I almost wonder if it's fair to say that, you know, these these amazing directors and these movies, I, I wonder if while filming them, they ever thought there's never going to be the capability for somebody to pause this. Oh, I'm sure you know, there's never right. gonna, You know, I, I wonder, like, there's never going to be an opportunity for somebody to pause this and slow this down. I mean, right now, the, the newest thing that I know going on with the movie world is that the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer dropped yes. late last night. Uh, yeah, the the newest mean. thing I know is that people paused it and they slowed it way the hell down because there's this whole fan base that it just they just want to see Tobey Maguire again. Me. And Me if you watch the way that Doc Ock and the Lizard, I think, I don't know if it's it was Sam or something. Yeah, well, there was like three of them, it. right? Yeah, but Lizard's right, the so, one that they're... Yeah, Lizard's the one they're critiquing. If you pause and zoom in on the Lizard, he is clearly punched by nothing, and everyone is now believing that that is probably the Toby or Andrew variant of Spider-Man. That's what's happening. And the thing is, is, there's also no question in my mind that Disney knew we were going to see that. That was their way. I truly think that's their way of saying, yeah, you're all right, don't worry, but also not spoiling the surprise for anybody who's not that guy. Yeah. It's the best of both oh. worlds in a in a crappy situation. I, I wish I could go to this movie knowing conclusively that Andrew and Toby are not in it. But now that I'm pretty sure they are in it, they better be in it. I mean, I haven't seen the new Bond, but I've known what's going to happen to him for the last five years. Well, Does that make it any better? <laughs> you know? You don't, yeah. You don't know. You don't know what you don't know what you don't know. That's triple darkness. Yeah. No. Anyway, uh, do you have, so I guess, I think you probably already said it, but do you have an all time favorite moment in this movie? Um, let me think about all time. I moment in this movie that I noticed for the first time watching it last night that I was really tickled by. And this is another example of storytelling without the movie screaming what's happening. Um, in that car chase, Indy's finally got behind the wheel. He's been shot in the shoulder. He's driving the car. And, uh, there's a motorcycle with, with a side cab coming up behind him, and you see him from a ways back. And then it cuts to Indy's face, and he looks to the, to the right, and he looks to the left, and he looks in the mirror, and he looks again, and then he jerks the wheel, and he smiles. And then it cuts to show you show the, the, the motorcycle rolling around because he's just hit it. The movie doesn't show <laughs> you that strike. It shows you the before. It shows you the character getting joy out of whooping a Nazi, and then it shows you the after. <laughs> I love that moment. Right on. I, I will say just while you're thinking about it, for me, like a moment that I found upon this rewatch that I loved more than almost any other moment um, was when he finds out Marion's alive. Oh, that and he is can't a great believe scene. it, and he just rushes her and hugs her, like completely forgetting like she can't see who he is. Like in that moment, like I just love the hell out of that moment because he it shows he really does give a rip about her. Yeah. And really yeah. does love her, especially towards the end when he's just like, I just want the girl. Um, oh my gosh. I just I, love that sequence. I think my favorite parts are, are the Tannis parts. I think the, the map room to the well of souls, 
The shots yeah. of them digging on top of the hill for the Well of Souls is one of the most gorgeous things. I want to get that celluloid frame blown up and framed. Uh, with him standing with a staff or no him standing on top of the hill with the sunset behind him and the sand being thrown up all in oh silhouette <laughs> yeah even That's this time watching gorgeous. I was just like there's one extra in there who's just kind of throwing sand in the air I, oh, I have they're all thought today yeah right <laughs> yep I totally get it but yeah. I love that I also I really like that moment on the ship with uh, where it doesn't hurt here here this oh my so gosh. And I love that he just falls asleep too. She's like, we I never know. do get a break, do we? Oh, uh, which actually, okay. Another great moment I got to gush about is I, for some reason I had totally forgotten about when he does survive that submarine, uh, ride in that one German guy clearly thinks that he was just snoozing on the job and he's just like playing along. Eventually he like decks the guy, the guy falls over and he kicks up the hat, like on the way down. Yeah. And he catches it. Such a cool, badass mm-hmm. moment. Like mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, totally forgot. Totally forgot that happens. Um, I yeah. I love the ending. It's hard not to love the yeah, ending. Yeah, me too. Because he, he kind of, be, you know, he believes it. Like, yeah. it's almost like, a you know, it's it's a setup for the leap of faith in The Last Crusade, in my opinion. Right. Absolutely. You know? Just, and and uh, so The Last Crusade, to me, builds on this movie very well in that regard. Um, yes, and, you know, nice. I love that it also, to going back to the indie doesn't do anything in this movie, I have to point out, too, that that's kind of the point of the movie in some regards. They are going to find what they're... The people are saying this is the the box that God put his law into, right? Right. And people are like, you should disturb it. They Tannis was, was buried in sand. It was almost like the Ark disappeared when it was supposed to, and then the Ark hid itself when it was supposed to, and then you put it on the boat, and the Ark burns away the Nazi symbol because the Ark's not... Again, Jewish Steven Spielberg is kind of anti-Nazi, as he should. As we all, we shouldn't have to say today that you should be anti-Nazi, but just for the record, Cinema Gush is an anti-Nazi podcast. (laughs) Um, Oh my gosh. And and the the, the fact of the matter is, is the Ark of the Covenant doesn't need anybody to protect it or do anything for it. At the end of the movie, it's stuffed away. Indy wants it in the museum, but he's actually kind of wrong. The Ark is not marching in front of an army. It's stuffed away, it's buried, it's hidden in a warehouse now, but it's safe and it's where it wants to be. And I It's kind love of a that. bittersweet ending. It's kind of a yeah. bittersweet ending, you know? And like like you said, that ending is just kind of like, you know, no more ripped shirt, no more sweat and bruises. Like he is composed and clean and in a suit mm-hmm. and having a meeting about it. And they've been over this a number of times, but the arc is being worked on by top men who top men. Which, again, we realize isn't just being stuck in a crate and hidden. Yeah. Which, maybe the movie's trying to... Uh, the article we've said, the movie's being cynical here, but frankly, if if the U.S. government ever had the Ark of the Covenant and put it in a warehouse, that's the most noble thing the U.S. government's ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Well said. <laughs> I, I have to just... Movie. Yeah, well, well, we're not going to leave it anytime soon. Uh, I'll just say I want to pivot a teeny tiny bit to all of the parodies... Uh, calling Please. back to UHF season one, episode three, where Murph was, you know, the first sequence with Weird Al parodies the opening sequence of this movie. Um, I cannot tell you the number of times Family Guy has done various <coughs> Indiana Jones things or trying to get him to hurry up to replace the sand with the uh, statue. Um, one of my favorite Simpsons intros of all time, I think, was written mm. by Conan O'Brien, and that's the one where Bart runs on the stairs and Homer falls over, and it's like the boulder chase, and they even play the theme there, and. Um, 
it's just it's a movie that has stuck so well that it's been parodied gloriously gosh many times over and yeah. i was just reminded now of the um the sequence where he has the rpg he's going to blow it up uh i would called back to the south park episode where they were going where george lucas was going to redo lost ark in the same way that uh he redid the star wars movies and um when they start playing the new raiders of the lost ark um Ewoks are in the temple and it's so horrible that everybody's face melts and then the 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 print itself does the Ark of the Covenant thing and then they have to put it away forever and gosh I got I think that episode's called Free Hat. I got to rewatch that one. I just see that I've not seen that episode. You have not seen Free Hat. Oh no. my gosh, it's uh it is peak South Park. I think season 6 is probably the best season of South Park. Maybe season 7, but they like okay. Ugh. I will go find it. I'll go find okay. it. I got to make sure you watch that real quick because that's so good. Uh, but yeah, it's just it's everywhere and it's amazing. Did you ever see any of the young Indiana Jones VHSs? I saw a couple of them. I haven't seen many of them. Okay. They're fun. They didn't grab me as much as the others did. But yeah, well, not you know the Indiana Jones as a character in the series isn't just parodied in comedy. Like I said earlier, you look at any adventure movie or video game, it has to go through this lens. I mean, Tomb Raider. You, I, even I mean, used it's the it's, Tomb Tomb Raider multiple times, to, describing him. Yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah, and it's it's. I don't know. I don't. It's, this is probably way too basic to say, but you know, Tomb Raider could essentially be pitched as it's Indiana Jones, but he's a girl from Britain. You know, you, right, right. You could almost go that route, or and I'm so freaking pumped for this Uncharted. Uh, sure. Which which to me, Uncharted Two is a top ten game for That's sure of all game. time. I love that game. Um, That's just I, Indiana Jones, where the supernatural twist is that it's not supernatural there's a website called shopgoodwill.com where different goodwills around the country can post auctions for amazing items that they find and somebody donated the uncharted 4 special edition ps4 with uncharted 4 and the last mm. of us and i'm currently the highest bidder so i really Ooh. hope that i win because right now my newest like i have a ps3 and that's as far as it goes for me so i'm really hoping that i win this one because i've never played uncharted 4 i've avoided every single video about it every single spoiler thing about it every single review except for the ign that gave it a 10 out of 10 so i'm just like that i'm not gonna look up anything i just want to play that freaking game so bad because I'm, i think i'm halfway our, through uncharted 4 and then we got distracted me and the wife played through them, but i gotta go if you get it I will go back and play through at the same time. Oh, I love that idea. So yeah, I, I will keep you. Uh, I'll keep you in the the know. I'm currently the highest bidder, so fingers crossed there. Um, but this whole this whole genre of adventure, we have been kind of lacking in that film zone for quite a while, and I think for good reason. Mm-hmm. I think that I was who was I? I was explaining this in a blog post that I'm going to be posting in a couple of days that. Um, you Hollywood has to be proved that something can make money. That's just how it is. Starving artists are not attractive in, in this culture. What is attractive is something that can bring home dollars. That's why you see so many superhero movies, right? I'm not going to go right. too into this. Yeah. But, but suffice it to say is that something has to prove that it's successful in order for them to risk other things. By that I mean, if you want to pitch a really strong racing movie about family... You can just point to Fast and Furious because before that, there really wasn't a car chase thieving movie like that, right? But then if you want to pitch some sort of robot movie, well, you know, you can look to Transformers and Transformers has for however you feel about those movies, like gobs and gobs of money behind it. We haven't seen a a great adventure film in a while. Now, that being said, I do like the new Tomb Tomb Raider quite a bit because it definitely scratched that itch for me. It was fun. 
Uh, it was enjoyable. Uh, it was a bit weird. Like the first 20 minutes were very strange. I kind of wish like, they, they went the Uncharted route where it wasn't supernatural. Did you ever play any of the new Tomb Raider games? Yes, I played the first one. Uh, so not good. the second one, though. Yes. I kind of wish they had gone a little supernatural in the movie. But that's a nitpick. Right. It is well, a fun the best thing that The best thing that happened in that series was Square Enix taking over. But uh, so good. Just to say that we... I'm so excited for this Uncharted movie because if you have not seen the Uncharted short film where Nathan Fillion plays oh, Nathan Drake, one. it's like the greatest short ever. Oh my gosh. It just makes me so happy and so pumped. And so as a fanboy, I actively want Uncharted to do well so that, they'll, that they will risk more adventure movies so that this genre, which is so much fun, things like, uh, what else fits in this category? Pirates of the Caribbean mm-hmm. and Jungle Cruise, which I just watched again last night and had a blast once again. It's on my Thanksgiving uh, list. It just became free on Disney Plus, yep, so there I you saw. go. Um, so just, I love a good adventure movie, and I hope we get to see more adventure movies, and that's all but I really got to say about it. I that. think the problem here, the reason we don't get a lot of adventure movies is it always boils down to it's not as good as Indiana Jones. And the reason that happens is because a lot of times it's just a reskin of Indiana Jones. Yeah. And you're never going to be as good as this one if you're just reskinning it. So you yeah. got to do something new. You got to add something. It's got to be different. It's got to be a different feel, character, jive. But I want more good adventure films. I agree. I think we need that. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, yeah. So, I mean, are you all gushed out? Do you feel like you've said everything you want to say? Is there oh, anything man. that no, you just I thought of? Good. I, I do really very briefly. Let's touch on the sequels. Yeah, What, what sure. are your thoughts? Lay it on me. I, I have unpopular really... thoughts. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, Temple of Doom and Last Crusade, and I think uh, when I was younger and, and more immature, I actively was hating Crystal Skull, and I should give it another try. I think by the time I got to the car chase sequence in Crystal Skull, and it was all CGI, I was just angry. Sure. And so from there on out, I chose to not enjoy the movie. Um, but Temple of Doom is fun uh, not just because of the monkey brains or because Kali Ma is like the best thing to say to your sibling when you're like torturing them. I say that to my kids. Because of that bridge sequence, the fact that it helped invent the PG-13 rating. Um, that movie is just a blast. And then like Last Crusade, I, I can't say enough good things about, man. Like it's a great To movie. finally get some more backstory about the character and to see uh, River Phoenix before he passed away. and um, Sean Connery so- at his best. Yeah, Sean Connery and, you know, I had it in my hand. Just having the grail and I can get it, Dad. Like, oh, my gosh. Like, what an amazing theme. Like, not just about the movie, but, like, about growing up in general and, like, the things that you're nostalgic for for as a child. That movie works on so many freaking levels. So, um, as a trilogy, I think they're all, they're just fine and fun. And I I love them. And I don't actively hate any of them. But Temple of Doom certainly has... mm -hmm, quite a few like why is this woman in this movie she's awfully annoying kind of a moment but but short round for goodness sake like Mm -hmm. there is a case to be made that short round could be a fun disney plus spinoffs series Mm -hmm. that that would that would do okay that would do just fine you know there's a case to be made there but i won't make that case what about you i mean how do you feel about the other three so temple of doom uh i've seen the least because i find it a little rough at parts i mean it gets dark Um, there are parts about it I really like that bridge sequence it's funny so I I collect movie posters because I don't like keeping money 
Um, <laughs> You're investing in a different way. I've been waiting to get a good Raiders poster. I want the classic. What is the artist name? Ansem, Ansem, Ansel. I know you're talking about the yeah, yeah, classic yeah. posters. If they did a screen print of that, that would I would pay any money for that. We'll post um, on the show notes, folks. These posters are amazing. The original you know ones that would have been up in cinema. Know you know them. You know yeah. them. Yeah, they're great posters. But of the alternative posters, Temple of Doom has the best ones, and there's a lot of that bridge sequence, and it looks so great. It, so I don't watch Temple of Doom very often. Yeah. Last Crusade is excellent. And I didn't realize until the last viewing of the trilogy how few times I've seen it as an adult. And I think the main reason is when I want to watch Indiana Jones, I pop in Raiders. It's my favorite movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it's excellent. It's such a great sequel. Again, it's worth remembering Temple of Doom is a prequel. And Raid and Last Crusade is a sequel. It is such a good sequel to Raiders. It really plays on the themes and builds on them. And now, my unpopular opinion, I very much enjoy Crystal Skull. Yeah, you do. Flaws and all. And I am not blind to the flaws, man. They they let Shia LaBeouf speak on multiple occasions. And that's a problem. But, you know, <laughs> it's fun. And sometimes yeah. it's okay to just have fun. And yeah, part here's the thing. I followed the development of that, and I followed all the disputes between George Lucas and Spielberg and Harrison Ford, and it was very clear that Lucas wanted to ape the movies of the 50s, B-movies of space invaders and sci-fi things. And it was very clear that Spielberg and Ford did not want to do that. And so when I heard that Lucas wanted to do sci-fi-y, and they pulled him back. What he, what I thought he wanted to do is what this movie was. So I wonder where they pulled him back from. Hmm. I'm guessing Indy was in space with ray guns. And, <laughs> but this movie, I guess I see the merit, George Lucas and all his idiosyncrasies, I see the merit of trying to ape and imitate and spoof 50s movies. And I enjoy it for that. I'm the guy who really enjoys the nuked fridge sequence. Not gonna lie. I find it charming as hell. I I get the frustration of the over-CGI in the river scene. In fact, the only criticism I have of, of, of modern Spielberg is he's a little too CGI. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a fun movie. I love having Marion back. I'm not sure if you're aware. I think Marion's a great character, and I think they do a good justice. <laughs> And I like aliens, even though they're not really aliens. Whatever. I I like the movie. Yeah. So sue me. You love the movie. Let's be honest. I do. <laughs> no, the truth is I do. I'm not blind to its flaws. I get why people don't like it. I think it's a lot of fun. I think it's a lot of fun. You know, for some reason, during our little walk down memory lane just now, I was reminded of growing up in Chicago uh, in the very early 90s and there was a promo at McDonald's. I can't believe I just remembered this. Where you could get like the movies for like like $5.95 a piece or something. Huh. So I'm going to I'm gonna hunt down this commercial. We'll post this in the show notes. But like, man, that gave me wicked nostalgia just like because McDonald's used to have all these tie-in promos with like glasses and cups and things like that. But was I remember they actually... Yeah, it was like 91. That's probably like they actually why I sold, ended up watching these movies because that's why like they we did sold them at McDonald's. Yeah, it was like it was six Taco bucks Bell. a tape. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, Taco Bell. Taco Bell did Star Wars tie-ins when the special editions came out. And my mom bought us a bunch of Taco Bell and we watched Star Wars. 
I bet you that's why we did Indiana Jones. She bought me a bunch of McDonald's and we did Indiana Jones. <laughs> I well, don't remember get... that part, but I bet you that's what happened. But say I don't know if you could, could you get the Star Wars videos at, at Taco Bell? Do you know if that was part of the tie-in? I don't believe so because it was when they were being released in theaters. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, that was it. Was a weird tie-in with McDonald's where like you could buy the VHS for like this amount of money, and then they did it again like three years later, I think. But I, I, either neither here nor there. Uh, great movie altogether. I did, by the way, find out that the Raider Story Conference actually was report was recorded uh, as an audio performance from 2013. So that is what we'll post in the show notes. Sweet, it's in my it's way. Four hours long, so I cannot wait to listen to it on two times oh, speed. That'll be great. I'll do that while I work or walk or do my thing. Excellent. Well, any other any other gushes, my Man, good I'm sir? I'm gushed. In fact, what I'm probably going to do is either this evening or on Friday, turn on Trent Reznor and Steven Silverberg and watch the whole movie in black and white. Yeah, please post on the show notes because I have not seen that and I know he's been recutting a lot of stuff, so I'd be curious to see that myself. It's a blast. Yeah, well, here's something we haven't done in quite a long time. Brendan, if you could please give me a number between one and three, we're going to have you say something nice about something that, uh, you know, you wouldn't necessarily say something nice about. Two! If you could, good sir, please entertain the folks by saying something so nice about Rise of the Skywalker. Hmm, okay. There's okay. a lot to like about it. It's, and you can't uh, steal my thing, by the way. It's beautiful to look at. It really is beautiful to look at. I, Ian McDermott, I'll watch Do Anything, and watching him chew the scenery as Palpatine was a treat and a half. I like every part of the ending with Ray and Kylo. I thought that was all great, and I really enjoyed watching that story arc play out. And we'll leave it there. Excellent. Yes, we will. Oh, what an excellent gush. Uh, are you consuming any new books or movies or shows or audiobooks or podcasts or board games? I mean, we started playing Liar's Dice, uh, which is called... Some- I am not good at it. No, <laughs> Turner, you are a liar, and you'll spend eternity on this boat. Um, no, I'm really. That was not a horrible impression. No, that's okay. <laughs> it's just, uh, yeah, we started playing that one. That one's fun. Uh, but yeah, what what else are you uh, playing, enjoying? Uh, what are you doing? I, I bought a physical copy of Viticulture, so I'm doing that with wife because we've been playing yes! that board game. Wonderful. It's so good. That's so good. It's um, so good. We're watching the most recent season of What We Do in the Shadows because I'm a big fan of that universe. Uh, yeah, I, just, I think it's great stuff. Um, 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 um. Yeah, right now we are a little bit treading water because we're very excited about Cowboy Bebop. So. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited about Cowboy Bebop. Oh man, it's gonna be such a late or super early Friday for me. I I I haven't read I haven't read much. I've, my phone likes to send me uh, like when you go to Google, there's like these little articles. If you scroll down, they're just like, oh, you probably would like this based on your keyword searches. And ones like fans have seen the new Cowboy Bebop, and boy, do they have things to say. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. I I'm don't care. About it. I don't care. I'm going into it with the mentality that this is just Scott Pilgrim and one of my favorite animes of all time being adapted. And uh, I couldn't be more pleased with the casting and the choices. So I'm just like, yeah. Here, here's the deal. I, I, I'm going to just say there have been some negative reviews, but sure. there have been some glowing reviews. I'm God. expecting this to be Speed Racer, where if you don't get it, you don't like it. But if you get my- <laughs> it, you love it. Uh, Netflix just put out this little like six minute documentary of like Gil Kano who did the uh, music originally, and she's like conducting the seatbelts. I think it was the seatbelts. It might have been. 
uh, different guys filling in, but just like that newer updated take on Tank is so bloody good. Ballad mm. of Fallen Angels mm. is like one of the greatest songs ever composed. So I'm, and they, the fact that they put it in one of the teasers, I was just like screaming when that when that song yep. came on. Oh my gosh! So we, we've oh, watched wait. some of the anime recently just to revisit it, and we've got the soundtrack on vinyl, so that's been playing. Did you hear about the other anime adaptation that just got announced? Which one? One Piece. Oh, I did hear about that. I've not yep. seen any One Piece. I watched it while in Austria. I think Bill or Murph could talk about just like me watching this pirate cartoon. I think with I some very nice uh, subtitles. Yeah, I watched the first like, I think I watched the first hundred episodes, but I just can't be this like. I think they're on episode like six hundred something now, and I just I can't do it. I cannot. It's a lot. I can't do it. I mean, I, well, I mean, maybe I could do it. I'm doing it with The Simpsons. Gosh, you I have like with The Simpsons. I should be able to finish that off by next week's gush, but I like it's 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 fine again. It's there's like I actually have moments where I actively laugh out loud at least one time per episode. Um, so yeah, it's season thirty two has been kind of fun. Um, they even do like a Thanksgiving of horror, which was oh, that's awesome, very very unique and a lot of fun. Um, but for my part, I'm reading a book called The Shadow of the Gods by John Gwynn, which I heard was like adult fantasy that I would really enjoy. Um, again, anticipating Cowboy Bebop like nothing else. And, uh, yeah, just trying out a whole bunch of brand new uh, board games on Board Game Arena and, uh, trying to get my year wrapped up, which we'll be wrapping up this season in the next episode. Next episode will be the last one of the season. Um, we'll probably, I I haven't talked to you about this, but I think we should come back for a special to do like our top 10 of the year. And oh, Sure. Maybe talk a little Spider-Man at the time if we feel like it. Yeah, I mean, you know, just to tease next season, we're definitely going to do our Sam Raimi Spider-Man run-through. Um, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Yeah, and, that would uh, be great. Yeah. So let us know in the comments if there's anything you'd like to hear us discuss or talk about or give us a like. I know I haven't been very infrequent with the memes lately, but I've been busy like crazy with my freaking Kickstarter, life. which is just about over. So life. Hashtag life, right? Um, so this was a great gush, sir. Thank you for bringing this to the table. Oh. A pleasure and a half. An excuse to watch this movie is always a good excuse. Yes, it is. Thanks, everybody, for listening once again. Uh, We hope that you have an amazing week, and we will see you in the next one. Bye, everyone. Okay, bye.